0: Now, the season of Lent, is a, as we said at the beginning, is a time of preparing. And what Jesus has done for us as human beings, for our salvation and for the redemption of the world through his death and resurrection, it, it's so unusual. It's so foreign to the ways of the world. And so we have to spend time preparing ourselves to really encounter his death and resurrection, to really prepare ourselves for this, to be changed by it. So the purpose of Lent, year after year, is in uh, in this preparing ourselves, uh, we are shaped more and more into the person of Christ every year. It's not as if you should expect one Lent uh, to be fully transformative for you. Um, It's in the year after year of submitting ourselves to this, we are changed more and more into the image of Christ. Now, the shape of Jesus's life was a journey toward death and resurrection. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, the the night before his crucifixion, Jesus prayed that God would deliver him, if possible, uh, from the final leg of his journey. uh, From death and from the kind of death that he anticipated was coming. But ultimately, he left this open to God, not my will but yours be done, he said to God in prayer. So setting his eyes toward the Father, he offered himself up to his accusers willingly to crucifixion and ultimately to death. But then on the other side of death, he also gained victory through his resurrection. So his awful, painful death and his glorious resurrection are two sides of the same coin, And this is to be the pattern of our lives um, as Christians today, surrendering to God by dying and being raised by him. In Christian faith, this dying and rising, um, they have a spiritual everyday reality for our lives as much as they have a final physical reality at the end of our lives. So on the Sundays in Lent this year, we're focusing on the themes of death and resurrection from Paul's letter to Christians in Rome, which Darcy read a a section of that to us just a minute ago. Now, before we go there this morning, uh, I want to share about two main stories that are told about death today in our world. So one story about death that comes out today is that after death, what happens to us is we simply cease to exist. Death is really final. It is the end. Now, this story, um, whether it's something you hear about a lot or not, it's become more and more popular in the last few generations, especially in the West, in America and Europe we have begun to think of ourselves solely as rational thinking beings. With emotions, sure, but not as spiritual beings. We solve our problems with our minds, with science, with medicine, and with politics, but not with faith or religion. And the story tells us that Uh, We are bodies and minds, but we don't necessarily have a soul, and at the end of life, there's no judgment. There's no need for forgiveness because there is nothing. At death, we cease to be. This is one story that's told about death today. Now, another story about death, uh, a more spiritual one, is that at death, we return from where we came. We are reunited with the one, the one in this case being whatever we may have called God on earth. Now, again, in this story, too, there is no judgment, there's only reunion. And obviously, this story claims that we have a soul, but our bodies are less significant. And likewise, what we've done in our bodies is insignificant. At death, we return. Again, no need for really forgiveness. Or there's no judgment, per se. And I hope you don't feel the need right now to pick between the, these stories and the one you like the most. That's not where this is going. I, I want you to notice something else about these stories. Neither of them says whether death is good or bad. It simply is. Which, if we're talking about the death of an elderly person who's lived a long, full life, that pill may be tolerable. But what if we're talking about the death of a young person? What if we're talking about what we would say is a tragic death? This morning, I want to draw out three claims from the Christian story about death. And my larger goal in this is to show you how the Christian story about death makes more sense of our lives and of our own deaths. So the first claim that the Christian story makes about death is this, that death is evil. It's not morally neutral. It is evil. The only time that we speak of death as a good is when it's already done its worst. When it has through sickness, disease, or age, uh, turned a person into a shell of who they were, who they were made to be. In those cases, we might, even with reticence in those cases though, accept death as a relief. We might express gratitude for what we call a good death. But in every other case, Death clearly functions as a tyrant. It arrives unwanted, it insists, makes demands, and it takes from us. Death, in this sense, is a thief. So to make the point one other way, in the Bible, to speak of death's opposite of life is not to speak of something morally neutral. We know how we feel about life, and in the Bible, this comes out very clearly. Jesus Christ comes as the life of the world. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. At the root of all life, the Bible is saying, all genuine goodness and beauty is Christ. So in the Christian story, life and death are not just the realm of the sciences. They're also the realm of the spirit. Death seeks to smother out the light, to take life, to take goodness and beauty. Life tries to beget life and bring out more goodness and beauty. So again, death is evil. In the same way that Christ is the root of all life, at the root of all evil and all sin is death. So I said this at our Ash Wednesday service too, within the Christian story, physical death turns out to be only the sign and symbol of spiritual death. It was leading this way all along. So this is the first claim that the Christian story makes about death, and it does it unambiguously. Death is evil. And we know this as human beings deep within us, but we try to make some peace with death because it's so much more powerful than us. But the Christian story acknowledges this too. The second claim that the Christian story makes about death is we are all naturally enslaved to it. So without any consideration of our feelings, all of us alike, from the sweetest of our children to the most full-of-life teenagers and the most stubborn of of adults, we are all defined as having the old man or the man of sin within us. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 6. Our old self had to be crucified with Christ so that the body of sin would no longer dominate us so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Death, spiritually and physically, has such a hold on us that Christ, the God-man, as Miss Kelly was saying, he is fully God and fully man, and he had to die to loosen this hold. Spiritual death is so widespread that one writer said that we live in a cosmic cemetery in the world. And all of us, as dark as that sounds, all of us, if we look closely at our lives, and we may not even have to look closely, but we see the evidence of this spiritual death, we feel it. All of us find ourselves entangled in attitudes and desires that We often seem to have little control over. They come on us unexpected, and we don't know what to do about them. Some of us feel like we are in a stranglehold of anger, of guilt, or of fear. And these things cast a shadow over our marriages, our friendships, our parenting, and our work. We seem to live in a closed circle repeating the same failings in our lives. Death is evil, but because it's so powerful, we try to make some peace with it. And this, to me, explains why the other stories about death do not make any attempt to say whether it's good or bad. What would be the point of saying that? It's going to take us either way. Christianity is much bolder than this. It says that death is evil. And worse, we are naturally enslaved to it. We feel this in our bones. But to move into the light at any time in life, you have to move through the darkest of places. And this is what you have to do in the Christian story, in the story about death. So the first claim of Christianity, the Christian story makes about death is that it is evil. The second claim the Christian story makes about death is that we are naturally enslaved to it. But the third claim the Christian story makes about death is this, that what is true of Christ can become true of us, of me, of you. So Paul says in Romans 6 verse 5, If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him. In a resurrection like his. Now, this is the essence of God's grace. What has happened to Christ, his death because of sin and for sin, his resurrection to new life. God is willing to apply these things to us when we put our faith in Christ. We are united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. So Christ died for sin so that these strangleholds on us can be loosened so that we can be fully forgiven, set free from all the guilt, all the shame. He rose to conquer sin and death so that we can be freed of this power that's over us. And God calls you and me to believe that this is true of us. Now, I want you to notice that in this passage, in Romans 6, that Darcy read, the first step to new life in Christ is not to really do something. Instead, it's just to believe that what has happened to Christ has become true of you. Listen to verses 10 through 11. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So the first instruction Paul gives is not to go out and do something, but just to begin thinking rightly, consider yourself, because of Christ, dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Faith in Christ, in his death and his resurrection, this is what removes the power of sin and death. Faith is the incomparable step over the frontier that separates the old person from the new person, the old world from the new world. Faith in Christ, in his death and his resurrection. Now, this faith in Christ is what makes sense of our lives now and our deaths that will come. So for the present, our present lives, it gives us the freedom to live in the way of life rather than death. So, contrary to these stories about death that I shared at the beginning, our bodies really do matter. What we do in our bodies does matter. And in Christ, we discover the freedom, the grace to use them in the service of God. So, Christ's grace becomes the power For obedience, listen to what Paul says in verse 13 of Romans 6. Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So without Christ, and even sometimes in the Christian life, we feel like we live in a closed circle where we repeat our same failings. But because of his grace, when we continually go back to it, we don't have to live in those close circles anymore. He frees us. When we live under his mercy, rather than at the mercy of our own passions and the guilt of our failings, our bodies can be surrendered to him. And so through our speech, our thoughts, or our actions, we can work to bring God's life to this cosmic cemetery of the world, to all the darkness that we see, the brokenness. So, faith in Christ makes sense of our lives now, of our abilities to bring our bodies to the service of God rather than the service of sin and death. But faith in Christ also makes sense of our death at the end, our physical death. At that time also, faith in Christ sets us free. Now, Christ does not transform death into an unqualified good, but we still grieve at death. Christ grieved at the tomb of Lazarus, and so surely we are to grieve. There will be a day when death is no more, so it's not as if it's an unqualified good. But because of Christ's death and resurrection, it has become a doorway into his new creation. So Henry Nouwen was a celibate priest, and he wrote often about the difficulty of his celibacy, the temptation and the loneliness that went with it. And he said that dying and death always call forth with renewed power the fear that we are unloved and will finally be reduced to useless ashes. That is stark and painful. But here's where, where, where Nouwen goes with this. He compares Christian dying to a trapeze artist who releases herself into the air, trusting that the catcher um, will not let her fall. So the Christian story is similar in this way. The Christian story about death claims that what is true of Christ will become true for us. Trusting in him, we will receive his life and his victory on the other side of death. And so we can release ourselves into his arms as we face death as well. So as we think about death, Spiritual death, dying to parts of ourselves that feel so integral, but don't fit with the way of Christ. And physical death, the possible suffering and loss, the unknown. We can say with Jesus when we face these deaths, your will, not mine, be done. And at that point, like Jesus We can move into the unknown and the pain because our lives are entrusted to God. So this is the Christian story about death. Death is evil, and worse, we are enslaved to it. But what is true of Christ, his victory over sin and death, by faith, it's true of us too. And so, to ask a final question, do you consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus? His grace has become the power of surrender and obedience for all of us, so that as we look toward this, the rest of this season of Lent, we can submit ourselves to God All the parts of ourselves that we wrestle with and that we have shame in and that we're fearful of, we can submit these things to God. Other sins as well that we struggle with, we can submit these to God. Because he has made us alive with him and his son, Jesus Christ, and he has given us victory over sin and death. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.